all brilliant in the surgery and we all know we can do our jobs brilliantly, but there are other things out there that hygienists and therapists can do and um, contribute to things like writing, creating content and raising awareness for the public and people that wouldn't necessarily come through our doors on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and I think now is the perfect opportunity to, to explore those avenues because some of us have a little bit more time to spare. Hello and welcome back to Series 3 of the Smile Revolution podcast, brought to you by Smile Revolution. I'm Victoria Wilson, a dental therapist, and this podcast is created for you, the dental profession, to inspire you with content shared by wonderful interviewees. And for sure, we need this more than ever during this time in isolation. This podcast is dedicated to oral health promotion with a mission to inspire dental hygienists, dental therapists and the dental profession now and in your career moving forward all around the world. The dental profession has been impacted hugely by this current pandemic and my heart goes out to each and every one of you whose lives have been impacted by COVID-19. Throughout this series, we will be sharing content on how to open doors of opportunity during this time. And the poignant dental professional I had the pleasure of interviewing for this recording is Melanie Pomfret, who qualified from Essex in 2015 and has certainly achieved so much since. On today's show, she speaks about her career to date and the different roles she has had and what these varied roles entailed. Melanie was so interesting to speak to, and I know you are going to feel invigorated to do even more after listening to her podcast. If you are unsure of how to spend your time in isolation now, Melanie will certainly get you thinking. agreeing to be on the show today and welcome on to the Smile Revolution podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's very exciting to be here. <laughs> well, it's an honour to have you on the show and you have such an interesting career path on speaking to you the other day that you have well accomplished so many things in really such a short time. It's an inspiration. I thought that, but yeah, it has been. It's been a bit of a whirlwind the past few years, um, but it's been good fun. So it'll be exciting to talk about it. Well, you've certainly got your foot on the accelerator. So <laughs> <laughs> that's an inspiration in itself. <laughs> so, Melanie, can you just take us back for the listeners to understand? When did you qualify? So I qualified in 2015, which... Um, still seems quite recent, actually, but it feels like a world away now. Um, yeah, so 2015, five years ago. And where did you study? Um, I studied at the University of Essex. Um, I live in Essex, so for me, it just made the most sense. Um, I could travel there in about an hour, so it was perfect for me. Yeah. 
And soon after qualifying, you got your teeth into something very soon. I think, you know, speaking to hygienist therapists, generally, it takes a number of years for them to find their feet. And I'd say probably maybe on average from who I've spoken to, it gets to about five years and people think, "Mm, okay, what else can I do maybe? But you qualified in 2015. And in 2016, you embarked on a master's. Is that right? Yeah. So I think looking back, it was because I, when I was younger and at school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of floated through school. I didn't get any A-levels. I didn't go to college. Um, so for me, I kind of felt like I missed that chunk of education. So when I finally found something that I wanted to do, I became a dental nurse and then I realized I could go on and do hygiene and I kind of got a bit of a bug for it and realized that I really loved it so after a year I was had kind of itchy feet and I was keen to do something else and just seeing the the masters being available for hygienists I thought that was such an exciting opportunity and really reasonably priced as well I could have got a loan for it so me it was just a no-brainer so I could work still full-time whilst doing it it was all on the weekends um yeah so it's definitely a no-brainer um took three years but it was worth it definitely a good three years can you tell us about the masters that you did yep so it's called it's quite a long title it's advanced and specialist healthcare and then in brackets dental professional practice um, essentially, what was really good about it was that we were a small team. So it was just um, me, another hygienist and a dental nurse. Um, so dental nurses could do it as well, which was brilliant. Um, and we would be mixed up um, during the modules. We would be mixed up with dentists. We'd be mixed up with GPs, teachers um, people that worked at the university. So it was very much you made it your own and you based it on your own practice so you weren't told what to write about. You were told to choose something in your practice that interests you and then write about that. So it didn't feel so much like it was an academic degree, mm. even though it was, but it was just writing about stuff that you're interested in in your practice. So it was quite flexible in that respect. And you could obviously relate to it very personally because obviously it was, like you said, it was more guided by you. Oh, that's really interesting because I think regardless of any education maybe we look or consider doing you think oh but I hope everything's really going to be relevant to what I'm really interested in at a certain point so that's really interesting to hear yeah otherwise you feel like there's no point in doing it it becomes a bit of a drag you don't look forward to it but I think the first thing we looked at was audit clinical audit and we did an audit in our practice um, there was a module on collaboration, which I think for hygienists, especially being relatively kind of lone workers, um, it was all about collaboration and, and a successful collaboration that you've done in the past and how that's been successful in practice. So, yeah, it was really interesting. Hmm. What, what, were, what was one of the top things you learned from collaboration? Um, it was we learned about the whole cycle of collaboration, so the benefits of it. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what I wrote about. I think I was working um, in the community at the time and it was a collaboration that we were working on 
um, with a university to do a big community project. So it was the community dental service working with the university to deliver a fluoride varnish program. Um, and that's what I wrote about. So I did a lot of research on collaboration and, and how essentially we need collaboration to be able to work. Um, I suppose if you're at school, it's almost seen as cheating working with someone else, but actually out in the workplace, if you're not working with other people, you can't really move forward. So It's so um, true. I couldn't agree more. You need a team around you and working within a team effectively is so important for us in a world health. Oh, how yeah. interesting. I mean, did you look at other masters or were you specifically drawn to the one that you did? Um, I was drawn to this one mainly because um, it was in Kent, so it wasn't too far from me, um, and it was on the weekends. So it would be about five or six weekends um, a year, and it would be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so it didn't take away from any of my work week. I just had to take the odd Friday off, which wasn't a problem. Um, the cost of it was a lot lower than the others. Um, and I was only actually aware of one other master's that a hygienist could do, and that was um, more of a clinical-based one. And in my head, that didn't interest me as much as the theory side of it. And I think that's just because I enjoy the, the research and the theory a little bit more than I did um, the clinical side of things. So for me, it was a no-brainer to go with that one. There wasn't really any other, any other um, ones in the running. Yeah, it made sense for you. Yeah, definitely. But I could understand why other people would want to go along the the um, clinical route and do one in perio because a lot of people find that so interesting. Um, but for me, it was more the kind of theory and the research that I found interesting. Yeah, well, it goes back to what we were saying a minute ago. If it's led by you as well on your interest in practice, and it's also got to always align with who you are at the time and, and what's what is right for you. So yeah, they... I had no idea where it was going to take me or I had no idea what I was going to be doing in a few years' time. So I thought this doesn't shut any doors. It doesn't tie me into clinical. It kind of hopefully will open up some doors. So that was my thought process at the time. And I think it's paid off. Well, I'm sure it has. Um, I was speaking um, the other day with someone as well that, you know, in our role, um, people think, okay, if you're going to be doing a master's, what's your promotion going to be at the end of it? But it's not about that really for us because there aren't necessarily the readily available promotions for dental hygienists, dental therapists specifically. But by doing master's, it's helping to carve our paths and create further opportunities, which I'm sure inevitably will result in many promotions for many people. You've just got yeah. to have that leap of faith, I guess. Yeah, our scope of practice isn't going to change anytime soon, so we're still limited by that. So having a master's isn't going to mean you can start doing more things in practice, but it means that if you were to do something outside of practice or if you wanted to really push for something, then your your voice is a little bit louder, I think, if you've if you've gone on and done a little bit further training. But also, um, these opportunities weren't available a few years ago, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. So, be able to grab it um, has been brilliant. Absolutely. If anyone wants to, they should just grab it. Definitely. <laughs> I I would agree. Well done you as well, though, for doing it so early on. And obviously, you do a dissertation within your masters. What was your dissertation on? Yeah. So the final year was our dissertation. Um, I chose to do it on direct access. 
for me, um, direct access came in 2013, which was when I started training. Um, so I think I was probably part of the first cohort of students that kind of knew about it as part of their training. Um, and for me, it was really exciting. I thought, this is brilliant. We're going to be able to see our own patients. We can open our own practice. We can do this. We can do that. Um, and in reality, I found myself not really seeing many direct access patients. And it led me to question why. Um, I knew the reasons why I thought I wasn't seeing a lot of direct access patients. But I wanted to know what other hygienists thought and, and therapists and whether it was just me or whether it was kind of across the board. Um, so I did a survey for hygienists and therapists to, to try and gather their thoughts on direct access. Yeah, and what were, what were your findings? Um, the general finding was that a lot of the hygienists and therapists that I surveyed weren't seeing a huge proportion of direct access patients. Um, it didn't tend to matter when they qualified, but the those that qualified more recently felt slightly more confident seeing people under direct access. Um, nursing assistants had a massive effect on it. So those that didn't have full-time permanent dental nurse assistants didn't feel as confident to see a patient under direct access as those that had permanent dental nursing assistants, okay. which I would understand because they're on their own. Sure. But generally the feeling was everyone that I surveyed more or less felt comfortable seeing patients under direct access either they weren't fully supported um, by the people in their practice or they just didn't have patients didn't have the awareness of what they could do so they weren't accessing it so it's kind of being underutilized, i think mm. but also prescribing rights was a big thing in there um, not being able to prescribe local anesthetic or fluoride it's it was a big problem for a lot of people so they just thought it was best to see patients through the the usual route rather than direct access well it's it, a shame. yeah it is a shame but it obviously our organizations um, are working extremely hard to overcome this challenge so it'll be interesting when we get there which i feel confident <laughs> it will happen eventually um how that impacts direct access um yeah, yeah i'm hoping that um, the dissertation that I wrote will be published soon in quite a few magazines. So I'm working towards that at the moment. And maybe that will help a little bit um, on the way of getting us prescribing rights. Because for all we know, other members of the dental team might not even be aware that that's how hygienists and therapists are feeling at the moment. So it's just another one of those things that might help, hopefully. Well, yeah, absolutely. And the more things that can contribute to the case and the cause even better. So thank you. I look forward to reading that once it's published. Oh, I'll let you know if it ever does. Hopefully it does. Oh, I'm sure it will, Melanie. And um, I guess if people are interested to find out more, um, we will be sharing your email address at the end so they can contact you, I guess, about it and, um, and, and let us know. And we can maybe publicise it on social media when it is published eventually Absolutely. <laughs> so how interesting though yeah because I went to a lecture the other day on direct access and people just understanding and it would make sense that of course if you trained when direct access has had been introduced in comparison to before people are probably more confident in running yeah. with direct access comparably to those that obviously trained before 
Yeah, it was always in the back of our mind when we were training, whereas I can imagine if you trained before that came about, it would be quite daunting. But um, I think one of the questions I put on there was, what would increase um, hygienists and therapists' confidence? And some respondents did put that they'd quite like some CPD targeted to direct access and working under direct access. So that's another avenue that might help those that feel a little bit less confident. Yeah, because there's there are more things coming up um, on various different courses that I've seen more recently, but there hasn't been a huge amount before. No, that doesn't seem to be, but yeah. I wonder if that's because at the moment hygienists and therapists aren't seeing a huge number of direct access patients, but that's just from what I've seen. There might be some that are seeing on them on a daily basis, so yeah. it's difficult to tell. It is. But, yeah, thank you again for your work on this, and I look forward to reading it. Now, just moving back to, I guess this must have taken place during your master's or soon after qualifying. You were telling me the other day that you got involved with the Dental Nurse Network. So how did you get involved in that in the first place? Um, yeah, this was about the same time I started the master's. And just before that, I was working four days a week um, in practice as a hygienist. That's what we were told at university not to go above that because it's a little bit tough on, um, on you mentally and physically. Um, so that one day a week I was at home, I just wanted to do something. I didn't, um, I wanted to kind of see what else was out there. So I did see um, that the Dental Nurse Network were looking for impression taking tutors at the time. Um, so I applied for this because I thought it would be quite a nice thing to do on the day that I'm not in practice um, to teach dental nurses, but I didn't have a teaching qualification. Um, however, uh, the lady that runs Dental Nurse Network did say, well, would you be interested in, in writing some CPD for dental nurses? Um, so I started off by doing that, um, found out that I loved writing, I loved putting together content, um, and it was just the core subjects like medical emergencies, safeguarding, um, but I really enjoyed that. So I did that for a couple of years. Um, and then I was asked if I wanted to put together an oral health education course for dental nurses. Um, and it would be distance learning. So it would all be online tutorials and a, a course workbook that the students could work through. Um, so I started working on that in my spare time as well, uh, which was great fun because it was all about oral health promotion and education, which was brilliant. Um, it was stuff I felt really passionate about and that kind of made me realize that actually although I was able to take impressions I possibly wouldn't have been the best impression taking tutor because I wasn't doing it a huge amount in practice so I was no expert but oral health education and promotion was something that I thought I could add some value to there um, so I worked on that for a while and it's now up and running and it has been um, ever since I think about 2000 and 17 it started uh, possibly 2018 but it's grown from there and, and it's become quite a successful course which is brilliant wonderful and how long does the course last um so it's around about the nine month mark um for the nurses that sign up to do it um however now we've had we've added a bit more freedom that the nurses can choose because it's distance learning um, there's an exam in March or September. So we allow them to choose and they could either do it in kind of between six and nine months or they could extend it and they could do it um, a little bit longer. But because they're working full time, 
we felt the need to add that flexibility in there. Yeah. We can choose. And how wonderful. And do many of them go on to create Aura House promotional projects after qualifying? Yeah, so part of the course itself is to create an exhibition either in their practice where they promote um, a topic of their choice relating to oral health. Um, recently, they've added a part to the course where you actually have to go out into the community. Um, so it's not necessarily a requirement to gain the qualification, but it's how we think they'll get the most out of the qualification. So whilst they're training, they definitely get a lot of exposure to that. Um, once they qualify, there's the opportunity to apply um, with Dentaid. They have something called Bright Bites, um, and Dental Nurse Network actually sponsor that. So the students can get resources from Dentaid, um, and they can go out into their community, whether it's to, say, a care home, children's centres, scout clubs, and things like that. So that is a way of trying to get them to promote not only in their surgery and their practice, but out into their community as well which I think is brilliant because yeah. um, dental nurses are, are the best best people to do that I think. How wonderful and it's great for them to have this opportunity and this course available online to them. Do you, do you know for listeners how much the course is? Um, I would need to find out I think it's around this would be off the top of my head I think it's around 695 and um, and that includes a course workbook. They get a folder, um, online tutorials, um, quizzes, questions, um, live classrooms that they can revise on, um, and a mock exam before they take their final exam. Um, there's an accredited version, and that's the accredited version, but there's also a non-accredited version if they wanted to go down that route, um, which I believe is quite a lot cheaper it's up to them yeah and it's just a, a superb opportunity because I couldn't agree more dental nurses have such an important place to play in their dental practices um, within oral health promotion and supporting anything any other BCP is doing around oral health promotion and in regards to amalgamating our skill set and working together um, it's collaboration you spoke about earlier it's one of the key key factors isn't it so how wonderful I mean can dental hygienists dental therapists even log on to this course if they wanted to so we've got an introduction to the oral health education course which is um some CPD that can be done to kind of get them um a bit of a taste of what the actual course is like so I think for now it's just kept to dental nurses mm. um, but maybe in the future that's something that could be expanded out to hygienists um, it never crossed my mind until just now actually so well, I, I only because I speak to lots of people all I do is oral health promotion but I know from our training um, in dental school, oral health promotion involved um, putting together a, a school plan to go into schools. And maybe some people have done other things and then leaving dental school, going into practice. Maybe we've gone into the community, we've gone to nurseries and other things. Um, and it's only down to me doing my BA in oral health promotion that's taken me to where I am in oral health promotion now. But I realise there's such a an area of oral health promotion that I had no idea about, um, as I'm sure you're aware of that. It's just so interesting. And I feel is such a fundamental part of 
what we can do um, and embody as hygienist therapists out of a clinical setting as you are doing now and it's not until you step out of the surgery that you realize that there are some people out there there are groups out there especially vulnerable groups that just have very little to no awareness on on how to maintain their oral health so sometimes we can kind of look through it with rose-tinted glasses because we see the patients Mm -hmm. that that can come in and see us and can pay and, and have their treatment done but actually there's a huge group out there um and yeah, definitely nurses, hygienists, therapists are the best people to, to help them. Yeah, because how I see it as well, we treat our patients one-on-one in clinic and we have a wonderful reach to them and maybe the impact they have on their families from seeing us. But like you said, it's the other areas that we don't have access to or people can't reach us um, that don't come to our surgeries. And that's obviously the role of oral health promotion. So I'm so passionate about this subject. <laughs> no, it's it's really interesting. And it's I wish I could do more of it. I used to do a lot of it when I worked for the community and I wish I could do more of it because it was that was the job that I got the most definitely the most satisfaction out of. Um and I would go home and I would just be so pleased at the end of the day and felt like I'd achieved so much, but there's just not enough people doing it. Um, so it's a it's a little bit of a battle, but it's so worthwhile doing. So if anyone is interested in oral health promotion, there are jobs out there um, and they are so rewarding. I'd recommend it to anyone. Yeah. Well, maybe we can share some links on any other tips um, under um, Melanie's bit about her podcast to understand even more about oral health promotion and maybe other things you can explore because there are so many opportunities and really a need. And for us now, currently in isolation, I feel this is such an opportunity for us to embrace oral health promotion. Yeah, absolutely. But also find out what what other things interest us. So we're all brilliant in the surgery and we all know we can do our jobs brilliantly, but there are other things out there that hygienists and therapists can do um, contribute to things like writing, creating content and raising awareness for the public and people that wouldn't necessarily come through our doors on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I think now is the perfect opportunity to, to explore those avenues because some of us have a little bit more time to spare. Yes. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. But thank you so much for sharing that insight into the Dental Nurse Network. Um, and so you, you're you're still involved, but you're not so directly involved. Obviously, the course is up and running now. Um, you spoke about working in community for a short time. So how did that unfold and what were you doing within community? So this all happened um, whilst I was doing the master's degree. Um, I'd spent a couple of years working in practice full time as a hygienist, um, which I enjoyed. But I was also aware that um, I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do full time for the long term. So I looked around and I thought, is there something else I can do alongside my hygiene work? Um, And I actually found a part time job in my local community dental service. Um, It was four days a week, so I could carry on one day in practice, which was a big sacrifice, but it was one I was willing to take because I wanted to just see what it was like. Um, And it was um, as the oral health improvement manager for Essex. So my job was to um, take charge of all the oral health promotion activities in my local county. 
Um, the job itself was slightly challenging because there wasn't a huge amount of funding available. So we ended up, it, it depends where you are based and the kind of funding that you've got from your local authority. Um, Essex itself wasn't necessarily seen as a huge area of need, um, hence the, the lower funding than some other areas. Um, so for me, it was more of a train-the-trainer approach. So I would go in and I would train care home managers to then go and train their staff. So there was over a 1,000 care homes in Essex at the time, so it wasn't possible for me to go into every one. So we would hold events and we would invite all of the managers from certain parts of the county and we'd run a big training event and give them all the resources they needed, send them off with a big pack of um, oral health aids and then they would go and train their staff. Um, so it kind of had a ripple effect, which meant I was able to, to get to a lot of people, which was brilliant. Um, we did care homes, uh, children's centres staff, um, which was brilliant, and a lot of the um, sheltered accommodation for people with special needs. So they're living by themselves, but they're not, um, they're kind of looked after. Someone will check when they're going in and out, but they live independently, um, but often they forget to brush their teeth, so they need a little bit of help there. Um, and there are some organisations out there doing some great things um, because alongside the oral health promotion side of it, the community dental service also has clinics. Um, so my job would be to try and reduce the amount of people coming into the clinics because the wait list was so long. Um, but there are organisations out there that are doing great things like desensitisation for people with special needs. Um, I got to witness... Um, one care worker, she was working with one of the service users and they had a, a dental mirror, so a mouth mirror, um, and they would work a few times a week just on popping it into his mouth for a few seconds and then taking it away because he was petrified of anything going into his mouth. So all of that hard work eventually led to him being able to go and have a checkup, which was brilliant. So people with no dental training whatsoever are, are trying their best to help them. Yeah, nice. And you weren't treating any patients within community? No, so it was a completely non-clinical role for me, but there were hygienists and therapists um, working in the clinics, um, more therapists um, doing the, the fillings and the restorative work. Um, but I know there are hygienists that work in the community mm. as well, um, and they're doing a great job. Um, yeah it was purely non-clinical sounds like such a fantastic role it was brilliant it was really good fun we also we we managed to do a lot of fun things as well we had a mobile unit which was a dental surgery on wheels um we could drive that about and we'd take it to events and every national smile month um we would do massive events um any kind of event that we could link with oral health we would be there with the mobile unit right. we have our kids come on board um, we'd have balloons and it was great fun. How amazing. Fun. Any listeners interested in maybe exploring a role similar within the community, what advice would you give them to find something? Um, I found the job on NHS Jobs. Um, it's worth finding out what the community dental situation is in your local area. Um, some, are, some are run by social enterprises, um, so I worked for Community Dental Service, CDS, which was a, is a social enterprise. Um, 
some are run independently so it's worth getting an understanding of who's doing the community dentistry in your area first um, and whether that is linked directly to the oral health promotion in your area um, is there oral health promotion in your area because i know it's not everywhere um, and then just keeping an eye out for jobs letting them know that you're interested possibly and um, so i will even let you go in and shadow them for a few days and um, just take you along whilst they're traveling around which would be good to see if it's something you're interested in yeah no great advice there thanks melanie um and now just moving on to your current role within phillips how did that evolve and what does your role entail so um, i saw the job being advertised and it sounds a little bit bit of a cliche but I always saw Philips as the company if I was to work for any oral health company it would be Philips um, the products I already loved and um, so when I saw the job um, for a professional educator being advertised and um, there was five dotted across the country at the time um, and I applied for one um, in my area um, managed to get into the assessment day um, and was finally offered the job. So um, it was it was, just happened really quickly, actually. But I always remember thinking whenever I went to the showcases or the dentistry show and I'd, I'd see the Philips stand and I always thought, oh, if I was to work for anyone, it would be Philips. Um, and I don't know, maybe that positive thinking helped. But... <laughs> well, they say it does, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to say that it was in your goals anyway. It was there. Yeah. It was already planted. The seed was planted. Definitely. Amazing. And what does your role each week entail? What would be a typical working week for you now? So our role is very much education-based. So we don't get involved in sales, which for me is brilliant because I don't feel comfortable in a sales position. Um, so our job is purely to go out and educate dental professionals on the products. Um, we focus predominantly on the Sonicare toothbrushes. Um, so day to day, we'll do lunch and learns with practices. Um, we'll do one-to-ones with hygienists and nurses and dentists. Um, and we'll drop into practices in our local territory and introduce ourselves and just, just chat to the dental professionals, really. We get to go to a lot of the regional events in our area. Um, we do a lot of work with the BSDHT, which is good fun. Um, and sometimes we get to go to the bigger events as well, which is brilliant, and we get to deliver, um, if we're lucky, we'll get a speaking slot, and often these are, again, education-based, so we're not speaking about product, we're speaking about something that's going to be relevant to the audience, whether it's dentists, hygienists, or nurses. Um, yeah, so we're, we're kind of a presence that's there to support mainly hygienists and therapists, but dental professionals as a whole. Yeah, through education. Through education, yeah, which is the way things are going. I don't think people want to be bombarded with product and sales. I think they want to be supported by the bigger companies and they want the opportunity for education and um, and that's what they're delivering, which is great. I couldn't agree more because you remember that. That's what takes you forward and that's what you're grateful for as a profession. Um, I'll, yeah, I, I remember so many lectures, um, that I've heard from industry players, not about anything. Elaine Tilling comes to mind on TP, not, yeah. not speaking about really 
um, anything related to specifically a brand, but something that's so relevant to us in clinic, which takes us forward. And yeah, no, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to support our advancement and what Philips is delivering through yourselves and what you're delivering um, for us as a profession. So yeah, thank you for your work. And can I ask you, from a personal standpoint, where would you, what would you feel has added to you um, over the last couple of years from your master's and um, moving away from clinic in a way that how are you fulfilled, would you say, in a different way through your role currently? Um, I think one of the things I was guilty of when I, because I was quite fortunate to get into university to train to be a hygienist almost immediately after finishing my dental nursing. So I was quite young at the time. Um, I was one of the youngest um, in the class at the university. I've always kind of felt this imposter syndrome, like I almost shouldn't be telling people how to clean their teeth and I shouldn't be doing this because I'm not as experienced as them. And um, so the different roles that I've done has definitely added to my confidence. So it's made me more comfortable now saying, actually, yes, I've got some credibility. I can tell you this and I can tell you that. Um, so it's definitely added to my confidence Um made me more open to things so rather than just wanting to stay in the surgery all the time I now feel a lot more comfortable going outside of my comfort zone and trying things I've not tried before um, and for me it, it's opened my eyes to the whole profession rather than just working in practice which is brilliant and I loved it um, but there's so much more out there that's almost just a small part of it there's so much more out there that we can add to and get involved in so it's opened my eyes a lot yeah Wonderful. Um, and and that's that's obviously great because you realise the real potential for us as a profession. And also yeah. the hope for further opportunities for the listeners. It is just stepping out of maybe where you are to observe what else is around us and the opportunities available. And there's there's no limits to where we want to push our profession. That's how I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And the dental industry itself, it does seem to be like there's so many opportunities out there. Um, I didn't realise until kind of getting into it myself, but there's so many avenues you can go down. There's the academic route, there's research, there's teaching, there's the, the clinical side of things. Um, so many things that we can do. Um, and we're so skilled. Hygienists and therapists are so skilled. We're so because we've got the theory behind everything, but also we've got the, the practical side of things and the dexterity. So we're, we're really skilled individuals. Yeah, we do. And I don't think necessarily we recognise how many transferable skills we have. Yeah, and they have come in handy in a lot of the other roles that I've done. Um, definitely the, the kind of empathy that we have for our patients makes us more... I find that when I go into a, a practice now and I'm speaking about um, different things, because I've come from a clinical background, um, there's often a bit more relatability there because mm. people understand that, that I've come from this background myself so I can understand that, you know, you've had a tough day and you don't want to sit and listen to me waffling on for half an hour, so let's go and grab a coffee instead. So, yeah, it definitely helps. And you are still working in practice, so you... You, you definitely know, don't you? We all know it's so inbred in us, exactly understanding having been clinical um, or currently clinical, for sure. Yeah, I'd be really sad to leave um, 
to leave my clinical role. I work one day a week. I do one long day a week in one practice, which I've been I've been at almost since the beginning, and I love it there. And it's such a nice place to work. Um, but I also I'm a little bit greedy, and I do Saturday mornings as well. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I do feel a bit greedy at the moment because I do have the feels like I have the best of both. But it's such a nice mix. Well, that's what's important. If it sits right for you, that's that's the most important thing, isn't it? And how you feel. Can I just ask you before we end this podcast, as we're coming to the end now, Melanie, what advice would you give to other hygienists and therapists from what you have learned along the way so far that you feel could help others? Um, my advice would be to, if you're considering different routes or you wanted to try something new, just stay open to as many things as you can. Um, I think we're all a little bit guilty of hiding away in our surgeries. I speak to a lot of hygienists that are interested in trying different things, but they don't know where to start. So I think the professional associations are a good place to start um, getting yourself out there and not letting a kind of lack of confidence or experience stop you. Um, find what you love doing and then see if you can make something out of that. Um, and if you're not sure what you love doing, then try different things. Say yes to a few different things and, and see what comes of it. I've done a few things that I've thought, actually, that's that's not for me. Um, I did some teaching for dental nurses on the dental nursing course. Um, and then I realized that, actually, I was only a dental nurse myself for two years. I, I wasn't confident enough to be teaching dental nurses. So I took a step away from that. So um, sometimes things that don't work out is a good thing because it shows that you can go on different avenues and it shows you what you don't want to do so you know what you do want to do absolutely well thank you i think i love that don't let any confidence or lack of experience stop you i think that's yeah and also for um i was always guilty of saying oh, i'm just a hygienist because I, I wanted to do the therapy but i couldn't find a placement in time um, and Dr. Debbie Reed, who taught um, taught me on my master's degree, would always tell me off. She'd say, "You're not just a hygienist; you are a hygienist." So never, never kind of put yourself down. This comes up so much, Melanie, and thanks for bringing it up because I think at the Smart Revolution here from this podcast, we should make sure that none of us ever say any listeners we're not just a hygienist or just a therapist. We are so much more. We're all guilty of saying that, so just don't ever put just in front of your... Never, never. We are, and we're able to do so much. Yeah. Now, Melanie, just before we end, it's the Smile Revolution Fire Round. I would just like to ask you, where would you like to see your role within oral health promotion five years from now? Um, in an ideal world, I'd love to stay with Philips and see where that takes me, see if that role progresses. Um, as a company, I love working with them. So I'd, I'd love to stay with them, but I'd also love to carry on being greedy and seeing patients in practice. So if I could find a mix of both, the perfect mix, then that's what I'd love to do in five years time. Possibly mixing in a bit of teaching. I'm still not confident enough yet to go out and do any kind of teaching for um, hygienists or therapists. So maybe, in five years' time, I'll feel a bit more confident to do that. Oh, I'm sure you will. Melanie, thank you so much for your time. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. And wow, you've done so much. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> My pleasure.
much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it, rate it and leave a review. Please email me on info at smile-revolution.net. I can't wait to learn how this recording has impacted you. And lastly, don't forget to like, subscribe and follow Smile Revolution on social media for more content. Please engage in the comments section. I will read all and respond to as many as possible. The podcast audio is available on all major platforms and video content on the podcast can now be found on the Smile Revolution YouTube channel. To stay up to date on all Smile Revolution projects, subscribe to the Smile Revolution newsletter by emailing info at smile-revolution.net stating subscribe to newsletter. Thanks for joining me and being part of the Smile Revolution.